Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alfreda, Georgia, which is where we are recording today. And as of March 13th, when we are recording this, we are not yet under quarantine. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast. So the beauty of, beauty of being a podcast, I guess you probably could do it under quarantine. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today we're going to talk about implementing a supplier diversity program. And um, I think most people who are listening to this podcast have heard that term before, but may not know exactly what it is. Um, I think they don't know exactly what the benefits are in providing one and then how you actually go about doing it. It is not necessarily as simple as saying, hey, I want to give people of color a chance to supply stuff for my business. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, and, and also in order to make it in order to make it a sustainable exercise, it needs to go beyond a purely social, socially motivated activity. At least I think that's the case. We will find out. I am not an expert on this. And as we do in our program, I invited somebody who is an expert on this. And joining us today is Stacy Key, who is president and CEO of the Georgia Minority Supplier Development Council. Stacy has more than 20 years of corporate experience in sales, marketing, operations, and customer services at global brands like IBM, AT&T, Schlumberger, and Samsung Telecommunications. Her educational accomplishments include a bachelor's degree from in computer science and business administration from Western Kentucky University, her MBA from Kennesaw State University, and uh, the uh, Regional Leadership Institute in 2018. Stacy sits on the boards of the Georgia Chamber of Commerce and the Midtown Alliance, and is a graduate of the Leadership Atlanta class of 2014, the best class ever, where she is my, my, uh, my classmate. In 2018 and 19, Stacy was named to the list of 100 Influential Women to Know by Engineering Georgia Magazine, was named to the Atlanta Business League's 100 Top Women of Influence, and received the DeKalb Chamber of Commerce's Apex Small Business Champion Award. She has many more awards. Her trophy case looks like Michael Jordan's, but we don't have time to go through all that because we have a topic to discuss Stacy, thank you so much for coming on the program. Michael, thank you so much for having me. Wow, listening to myself, mm, I didn't really know that person. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're head of the Georgian Minority Supplier Development Council. And GMSDC, we affectionately call. GMSDC. And it's Georgia's leading small business development and supplier diversity organization. It's been around a long time, hasn't it? Actually, thank you for that lead-in. We're celebrating 45 years this year. And uh, it's been a journey, I will tell you. And a little bit about, if I have the liberty, a little bit about our history. Please, please. And, and, and you know, our, our, our pedigree. Uh, 45 years ago, if you can imagine, corporation, the Coca-Cola Company, uh, and some other major corporations, West Rock, which was then Mead West Vaco. Uh, Cox was involved. Delta uh, 
involve AT&T, Southern Company, Georgia Power. These companies came together and decided that they wanted to open up their supply chain and be more inclusive. And so they led the charge to form this nonprofit organization to help them in doing that. Uh, again, there were other major corporations at the table at the time, but they saw the long-term vision and value uh, and actually return on investment to their shareholders of expanding their supply chain to include others that can bring innovative solutions and products to the table. And you have quite a bit of corporations that are engaged with you right now, isn't it? What's the number? We have over 400 corporations and all the ones you know and love here, of course. Yeah. Your Southern Company, Georgia Power, UPS, the Coca-Cola Company, Home Depot, Cox, obviously, uh, Delta Airlines, everybody, NCR, all those that you, AT&T, all those you know and love are engaged and involved and have a commitment, uh, again, to, to drive shareholder value by opening up that supply chain to include others. And uh, roughly how many minority business suppliers are there that are kind of under your, your tender care and stewardship? I love that tender care and stewardship. We have over 700 uh, minority businesses throughout the great state of Georgia that are involved and certified through us. And let me take a minute to tell you a little bit more about GMSTC. And so corporations formed us. And, and so our, our customer is primarily corporate America. The minority businesses are the constituents that we serve on behalf of corporate America. And so the process is that we certify minority businesses. We certify that you are who you are, a minority business, that you own, manage, and control 51% of that business. And we've heard some of those horror stories of, of companies that are not quite that. Yeah. But, but I'm in the business of making sure that the suppliers I bring to the table for the Coca-Colas and the UPSs and the Coxes, that they are who they say they are. And I'm in the business of protecting them and their supply chain. So let, let's, let's go ahead and jump into that then. Cause I think, I think that's, uh, that's very important. There's, there's obviously a, an incentive to become identified as a diverse as a diversity supplier is that the right term of art diversity diverse supplier, supplier. And, and that includes that could be women yep that can be minority owned that could be uh veterans are not diverse but veterans are a part of that yep. lgbtq are part of that oh they are well. they okay are i did not know that. that okay yeah and so and there are organizations that certify the women lgbtq those other organizations uh, that are there and they're part of the family that they certify those other groups. And is that a certification and a definition that is determined at the state level or the federal level? Neither. Okay. It is a GMSDC is a private sector certification. Oh, okay. So, so corporations look to that. If you are doing business with the state of Georgia, uh, they uh, use a certification from that is done by either GDOT or MARTA. I sit on the GDOT board and actually head up the Equal Access Committee. So the state of Georgia. If you're going to do business with the city of Atlanta, they have their own. But they all are asking for the same thing. They call them different things, DBEs. Uh, if you're looking to do business on a federal level, it's called disadvantaged business enterprise. That's not based on ethnicity. That's based on size and, and income of the business. So, uh, so a, a lot of definitely a lot of ground kind of being covered here. I, I'm going to take a little bit of a different tack than I originally thought because our conversation's taking a different tack, and that's okay. fine. Um, some of my listeners, some of our listeners may be thinking about becoming identified and certified as a supplier right. in okay. this regard. Okay. And, and I, ha I know I have clients that perhaps would be eligible and they decide not to. 
for whatever reason. I think some of them say, well, I don't need an advantage. Others say I don't want the government involved. But now they've just learned this is not a government exercise. There's it's actually no government a private involved. exercise. It's private, in, private enterprise. And, and others worry that you know it's a bunch of hoops that you have to go through and is it really kind of worth it for the opportunity. So before we dive into the main questions that I want to talk about, could okay. you kind of make, make the pitch for somebody listening that if they're eligible as – a female-owned businesses, African-American, LGBTQ, whatever the, the classification may be, make the case that it's worth it. So let me tell you this. So I, not every business should be certified. For those that should be, let me tell you. Where else can you go for an introduction to someone at Coca-Cola, UPS, Delta Airlines to sell your product or service? Where else can you go to get in front of them? Someone brings you to the door, opens it up, and sits you down in front of them. There's no way that a small, diverse business would have the access and or the connections to be exposed to the vast array of corporations that are a part of our organization. And that's why they come to the door. And everyone comes with the idea of Coca-Cola, Home Depot, you know, all of those. But we, but also a, a side benefit is you may be able to market your product and services to 700 other small businesses that are part of the family. If, you know, your services, for example, you're, you're in a, a CPA accounting kind of. Correct. Every single small business needs one. Why can't it be you? And so we open doors to other small businesses. We open the door to corporate America. And if you feel you have the gravitas to be able to do that on your own, then maybe it's not for you. But for the majority of the small businesses, they do not have access to that door. And GMSDC opens that door. So the, the, the impression I have, and this is purely an impression, I do not have data, I'm embarrassed that I do not have data to back this up. I should look this up today. You don't have, no. <clears throat> but, but more, I, I think I th my impression is that companies that are looking for diverse suppliers mm -hmm. frequently can't find enough to fit the bill. There's kind of a shortage. Is that an accurate picture in a lot of the, cases? It, in many sectors and industries, that is absolutely correct. And that's my job of, of helping them do just that. And so corporations don't have the time or the resource to go and, and find diverse suppliers. Hence, that's why maybe they become members of GMSDC because my job is to work on their behalf to do exactly that. So I didn't know this. It's, it's worth it's worth underscoring is that not only are you certifying, not only are you advocating, but you're actually walking people in the door to the decision maker, people that have the potential to sign multi-million dollar contracts. We are connecting them to the supply chain to do business. We are looking for companies that are corporate ready to go to the table with the appropriate products and services. So part of the things that we also do is with our suppliers is make sure you are corporate ready because I may have the vision that I'm ready, but can I afford to wait 120 days for my invoice? Yeah. I've got to flow cash. Do I have a product or service that corporate America is looking for? If I'm selling widgets, are they looking for more widgets? That's the part of the discussion we have as part of the developing because we develop, we certify, develop and connect them to corporate supply chains. So you, you then also serve a vetting role. Absolutely. And where, and, but, but it also sounds like if somebody's not ready for prime time, you don't just sort of leave them there. You have a process and a program in place to help them get ready for prime time. And absolutely. Corporate ready. We have developmental programs. In fact, 
about 10 years ago, we took over the state of Georgia's mentor-protege program. And that's a program that partners a small business, not a minority business necessarily, but a small business with a major corporation for growth and development and for long-term sustainable growth. So think about if you were a company and you're partnered with UPS for a year. UPS is bringing the vast resources of their company to the table to help you grow. Where else is that happening? Nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> not, certainly not in my world. I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a white guy. Nobody's giving me that. And that's not a complaint. That's just a reality. But it yes. sounds great. And we have we have white guys in that program. Yeah. Again, it's about small business. It's not about ethnicity. It's not about uh, income. Uh, well, income, yes. We're yeah. looking for companies that are part of the men or protege that are at least a million dollars, but yeah. not, not over $30 million. Okay. And so that's a sweet spot for us to help grow them to the next level. So- um, so why, why does Coca-Cola, why does Delta or Cox care? What, why do they feel like a special effort is, is required, necessary, desirable to diversify their supplier base? Because it brings shareholder value. Do you actually think people would do this just because? No, because they have uh, they clearly understand that using diverse suppliers with innovative products and services that they don't currently have access to today brings shareholder value. It drops to the bottom line. That's why they care. And, and can you can that translate to a smaller business too? We've ne- we've talked about sort of brand names, mm-hmm. right? And although I think it'd be great if Home Depot and Delta are listening to this podcast, I think most of my listeners are. A little smaller than that. But you know what? I'm going to send this to them so they have an opportunity to hear this podcast. Well, great. Well, Delta, Home Depot, Cox, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you. <laughs> yes. Glad to have you. So th- so you're walking me up to them. Yeah, that's so you, exactly you just, correct. You just don't, there's no off switch on <laughs> you, is there? So, um, but let, let's take kind of a smaller business now, okay. right? Does this, does this scale downward? Can a smaller business benefit? Are some of the corporate partners with whom you work are they smaller mm-hmm. businesses well and there's there's a concept we call like tier two and so for example if i'm a, a major corporation and i have a, a relationship with the coca-cola company and so coca-cola has a process in place and most do that says uh stacy key incorporated and i'm doing business with coke coke also wants me to do business with other small suppliers as well feeding that supply chain And so there is an opportunity. I may not be able to be big enough to actually do business with Coca-Cola, but I can do business with a prime that is doing business with Coca-Cola. So downstream, I'm I'm engaging other smaller suppliers. They're not quite as big to do business with me, but they can do business with my prime suppliers. Like in the auto industry, they have tier one, tier two, all that stuff. That's exactly correct. They're a prime industry that's done an outstanding job of feeding that complete supply chain of small businesses and giving them opportunities. And then ultimately I grow up and maybe I can be a prime. Not necessarily, but there, that, that potential exists. So, so you say the diverse supplier base drives shareholder value. And I think and I've innovation. seen – And innovation. Okay. I want to drill into that because I, okay. I think I've seen the high-level case, but I, candidly, I, this is not something I've studied in great depth. What are the levers where having a diverse supplier base translates into that higher shareholder value? And so as I open up uh, the supply chain, cost because supply chain is about driving cost out of the business, yep. which is value. And so 
I, I may have a select group that I currently do business with that I have not opened up. By opening it up, I have the potential, one, to lower my cost. Through competition, if nothing else. Absolutely. Bringing in a new product that provides value to my customer that may allow me to raise my pricing because I'm adding additional value. So huh, I've got top line revenue there. They may have an innovative thing that gives me a competitive advantage that sets me apart from my competition. So now I own market share Again, driving value. So um, uh, is another part of this also just simple visibility? You know, for example, when I, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm involved in the tech community. Yes. I go to a tech meeting. Pretty much there, everybody looks like me or my wife. Okay. Right? Um, and, and we need to talk about how, because we have a technology industry group, how we help you change that. I, yes, uh, absolutely. And there are others in our class that are interested in that, as you know, and mm-hmm. are trying to do what they can as well. But I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm clueless. But, but the, the point is, is that the, the normal places where if I were looking for a, uh, a supplier of some technology solution mm-hmm. within a diversity-driven community, mm-hmm. right, the normal places I look, I'm just not seeing them, right? Okay. And 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 I don't think that it's I don't think that it's a function that people of color, that people who are of a different orientation, whatever, are unwelcome. I think just the outreach has not been there. There's a lack of awareness. I think I think you're going to see more of a there's a more of a technology focus because technology is the foundation for many things. For example, we've got a technology industry group and then we also have transportation and logistics. Uh, we also have uh, focus on retail or, or the movie industry. And a lot of that's focused around technology. Mm. And so our technology industry group is going to be the, the kind of the uh, peach uh, peach uh, tree was it peach uh, when you call the peach when the little thing that you when you're doing experiments? But our technology group is going to be peach the peach pet. Pe- it's going to be the catalyst. Oh, petri dish. Petri dish. That's it is. Petri yep. dish. Um, but our technology group is going to be the foundation for all of our industry groups because it's at the it's at the core of what you do. So if there's something innovative that the technology group can do to help the transportation and logistics industry group, is there something that the manufacturing group can it can help with? That's the key for us. And so I think there, there's more technology out there that's being developed by uh, uh, people of color. I think getting them access to and exposed to that broader ecosystem is key. I know there's uh, Rodney Sampson, who uh, mm-hmm. he's out there. He's working hard around this technology. Boy, is he ever. <laughs> yeah, he's working hard. And there's recently online the Russell Innovation Center that's coming online that's got a focus around technology. I was just there two weeks ago. So you see it coming, um, and, and more and more you're going to see more of that. Um, and, and today I've got some phenomenal suppliers that have some great technology today uh, that they're, they're working on and doing things with uh, corporate America. Uh, but, but there's more to come. So I think there's a pretty compelling case that a, 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 a diverse supplier base is a good thing to do. Absolutely. And, if, and this can scale down. We touched upon this, but I want to make sure, you know, if I'm, if I myself am the owner of, say, a $20 million business, I can still benefit from this, oh, right? Absolutely. Abs- Let me tell you, uh, we have companies that are billion-dollar enterprises. Absolutely. Uh, again, for the mentor protege, we do one to 30 million. Yeah. And so, yes, if you're 20 million, any business that's interested in growing, if you're not interested in growth, then maybe not. But if Got you're it. interested in growing that business, 
I would look at all my options uh, around the business plan to diverse my business plan to diversify my options. So let's say I'm 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 listening to this now this program now and I realize that I would benefit from having a, a more diverse supplier base. And maybe you even need to partner with a diverse supplier. That's even opens up a whole nother avenue. Well, let's talk about that because I would like to get into the nuts and bolts of this, right? Right now I realize I, I've got a supplier base that is not very diverse. I need to change it. First two or three steps to implement are what? Well, first of all, if you're a corporation or an entity, yep. you want to develop a policy, something that the whole organization can rally around okay. and be a part of, something that truly reflects the culture of the organization and what you intend to do. So first of all is establishing a policy. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to open up our supply chain. We're going to use diverse suppliers. I need everybody on board. That's my policy. Then you start developing processes around to execute on that. How are suppliers going to know that I'm, I'm now excited about this? How do I communicate that to everybody? How do I find diverse suppliers? What areas of my business am I going to have opportunities for suppliers? All of that's the background. And that's where a GMSDC organization, we help corporations come to us every single day do to do just that. So, a, a, a charged word that is associated with diversity suppliers or and frankly anything where diversity is engaged in business is the word quota, right? And quota is a very charged word. You particularly see it in diversity hiring affirmative action. I'm not going to open that Pandora's box well, no, let's, here. But let's open but, that door. Let's okay. open the door because right. when you're Kick dealing with, yeah, yeah. When we're dealing with uh, uh, corporate America and the private sector, there are no quotas. There's no set-asides. That's more government-related. Really? So you have to compete for the business. Okay. And so when you when a diverse supplier wins, it's because they're the best of the best. They The pricing, the product and service, all of that meets the corporation standards. They're not lowering standards to do business with diverse suppliers. Their rate, their suppliers are coming up to the corporate standard. So okay, I'm so I'm, I'm delighted you kicked down that door because I didn't. I thought I knew the answer to that question. I don't. So the the if you don't kind of know this world, I think you're thinking, oh gosh, if I if I put in this program, then we're going to have a quota, and meeting that quota leads to all kinds of awkward distortions. It does not. But you're saying quota is is not part of the quota is not best practices. They there are no quotas in corporate America in doing business now. Government sectors or federal government may have the eight A program, which is a set aside yep. specifically. They may have designated and organizations may have designated, but in in in. in Corporate, that just does not exist. They are interested in doing business with the best and brightest to derive shareholder value to their corporations. It is, there is, there is, there's no favoritism here. Okay. So how do you, um, how do you ensure that setting up a program like this has impact beyond PR and marketing? That has a real substantive real impact that digs itself into the supply chain. And we call it having teeth to the program. Having teeth. I love it. Um, well, you set some measurements, you set some goals. And so when you've got your C-suite involved and engaged in this process, and so the whole company is part of their culture, is part of their DNA, and you tie it to performance, oh, my, I measured on that now. What gets measured gets done. Yeah. And so you're now I'm integrating it into the culture of the organization. And so it's beyond just PR because people are are compensated based on it, people are measured based on it, and there's requirements for for how does this impact our bottom line? 
So when you have those kind of measurements involved in the process, people rally around it or are part of that. So some companies go so far. Actually, I ask that question later because there's another follow-up question I want to ask. Mm-hmm. When, when, when you do measure mm-hmm. the integration of a diversity supplier mm-hmm. program or supplier diversity program, what do you think are the most important metrics? What KPI would I be looking for? And so some of some of the metrics that are today, for example, last year, I believe our number was about $7 billion was spent on diverse suppliers in this state. Mm, that's last a big year. number. It's a huge number, $7 billion. So so spend, how much are you spending? Uh, how many diverse suppliers that are a part of your supply chain? What strategic areas are you using them as part of the supply chain? What are you doing to help develop them and grow them as part of your supply chain? some of the measurements that are there today uh, to help and guide this journey. So I believe that some of at least larger companies will actually have a person who is in charge of supplier supplier diversity, diversity, chief chief supplier diversity officer, in effect. They have resource committed to this process. That's absolutely required. Some have one, some have two, some have five, some have six, whatever that number. I've committed resources because it's important to my business. And do you need to commit that resource because it's just so time-consuming and the expertise is so specialized that you can't sort of make that a side gig? You've got to really kind of commit yourself to it? But my personal opinion is that it should not be a side gig. Okay. However, there are people that have that role of supplier diversity, and they may have sourcing, which is their, their buyer as well. So depending on the organization and the timing of when they develop their program depends on the resources and the commitment. So um, I have to imagine that all programs like these are not alike. Right? What Delta needs and what Home Depot needs that are is different. Correct. The, the programs are different, and as they should be, the needs of their businesses are unique and should be different. Yes. But they have some common themes uh, across all businesses in terms of their focus and, and some of the measurements, but the execution could be different based on that individual business. So can you this may not be a fair question but i'm in the business of asking unfair okay, questions okay, that's fine. can you describe common threads that that run through most diversity supplier programs we talk about measurement that's okay. one what are some other threads all, all of them have a resource okay. even if it's a shared resource okay most of them are measuring spend how much they're actually spending okay uh, most of them are looking at uh the quanti- quantitative or qualitative parts of it in terms of, of helping suppliers grow uh, for the most part. They care uh, that they, they, they grow them and have a long-term relationship. And all of this is relationship-based. Mm-hmm. And so uh, typically I do business with people I know, like, and trust. And so that's a common thread that you're going to see uh, among most of them as well. And so, but, but those are some of the basic things that you will see uh, across the board. The measurements, I've got a resource, uh, how many I'm doing business with, the spend of how much I'm spending with them, um, helping them develop and grow and understand my organization so that they can truly be a partner as opposed to a vendor. So I'm going to go back a little bit in our um, in our interview here because I think it's now relevant here, which is talking about a mission statement. Mm-hmm. And I'm a I'm actually a big fan of mission statements because I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. It it borders on the man crush. Okay. The, it, oh, wow. it, bo- man it borders crush. on the stalker kind of level. Okay. So okay. Simon, I love you. Come on our podcast. Um, but 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 yeah, he's obviously big on missions if you're familiar with his work mm-hmm. at all, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so I'm curious, as I'm formulating a mission to address this kind of activity, supplier diversity, mm-hmm. what are the are there sort of best practices for the elements of what that mission ought to contain? Well, it, again, you have to customize that mission to the culture of the organization. Okay. So you can't have a cookie cutter. What works for Southern Company and Georgia Power may not work for Delta. So you've got to customize it based on the organization and the commitment. Uh, but again, the bottom line in, as part of that mission statement, it is to say we are committed to utilizing and growing and incorporating diverse suppliers in our supply chain to create shareholder value and, and create jobs in this great state because that's what that does. And so some semblance of that and how they craft it based on their, their culture and their unique organizational traits is up to them. Um, so how do you go about, not you personally, but mm-hmm. a firm that's sort of in the, in the, reach of our voice today, how do they start to go about recruiting candidates to become diverse suppliers? Obviously, they can work for you, but even you can't handle every potential request. Oh, need. but we can. Ah. Small but mighty. Small okay. but mighty. Yes, we can. But no, if, if an organization is looking to do outreach to identify diverse suppliers, you, you've, got, you've got to... Um, Establish some communication channels. Um, again, GMSDC, because corporations don't have a time and resources. GMSDC, I need your help. I need to, def- I need to find uh, suppliers that can sing, dance, and jump through a hoop and then bend over backwards at the same time. That's what I go find. I go to my network. I go to my small business partner networks and I identify those suppliers and vet them and bring them back. Now they can, they can put out communications using all kinds of, of tools. Uh, they can use their individual corporate, uh, websites. They can, uh, send, uh, blast out. They can do all that work or they can rely on an organization that that's our core competency. That's what we do every day and leverage us to do that. Can you work with out of state clients? Well, I am part of a network, a, a nationwide network across the country of councils. You've got the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council. You've got the Michigan Supplier. De- so part of a network. My corporations are not all in Georgia. Okay. For example, Accenture has a large presence here, but they're headquartered in Chicago. And Accenture is one of our key partners. Uh, Johnson & Johnson, they're headquartered up on the East Coast. But Procter & Gamble, they may have some distribution channels here, but they're in Ohio. And so we work with corporations all over the country that are interested in having suppliers in this state. But again, I have counterparts across the country that can service them if they've got other interests in other states throughout the country. So and that's the benefit. You're not a government organization. So although that's your right. name says Georgia, right, that doesn't mean you're necessarily beholden to our state. It says Georgia because I certify, develop, and connect minority businesses in this state. I work across the country with all of the Fortune 1000 incorporations that are interested in doing business in this state. So do do companies alongside working with you, do they have their own uh, uh, parallel programs to help to identify suppliers? They outreach Absolutely. Other, what are some of the things that they do? Yeah, again, uh, for example, uh, we, we get requests all the time, but again, just happened this week, Hartsfield-Jackson Airport just held their annual outreach. Uh, we partner with them or we'll work with them because they're a member of GMSTC, but they do all the lifting and they do all the work. So they do the outreach to the whole community uh, and say, hey, we're handing out 
annual conference. We'd love for you to be a part of it. And they do the outreach and invite suppliers in, working through their prime suppliers as well. Okay. So in effect, they have kind of their own captive trade fair, they have I guess. Their, yes. They have their, their, their own database of people that they've done business with that want to do business. And they do outreach to those organizations as well. Okay. So what what I'd love to learn a little bit more and let you share more about what your process is for vetting potential suppliers because that seems to me to be a huge amount of value that you bring knowing that it's got your seal of approval that it's okay right so that seal is called being a certified minority business Yep. and anybody who is a ethnic minority can be certified through us again there are other sister organizations if you're going to get women or lgbt or even veteran uh, and then uh, SBA has a self-certify for small business. Mm-hmm. So you can go to any one of those organizations. But there's a process we're going to ask for operating agreement. We're going to look for bank statement, bank uh, signature cards. We're going to make sure you own, manage, and control your operating agreement for that entity. We're asking for a lot of information to make sure we're protecting corporate America and that you are who you say you are for doing business. So you're putting on the rubber glove. That's exactly right. And all the way up, and we're using them. Okay. Uh, how long does that process take? It can take anywhere from 30 to 60 days. Okay, not long. Yeah. Uh, again, we're assuming you bring all the stuff, to, and it's all electronic. You upload all the information, and, and we take it from there. And like so many things like that, the more organized your information is, the easier your job yes. is. We have a checklist on our website. You go through the checklist. We, we do a pre-certification webinar. You can sit in the conference of your home and listen, and we go through the whole application, and we take you through the whole process. So, um, uh, what are what are what are some mistakes that are that have been made that are sort of cautionary tales from folks that have tried to put in programs like this and they have not been successful? What what are what are some, what are some crashes along the side of the road we can look by and say, oh, we shouldn't do that? I don't know if there's crashes along the road, but if you don't have the commitment from your C-suite and you've not got the commitment from the organization, it's tough to execute. Okay, You've got to have buy-in. Everybody's got to be all in. Otherwise, you're swimming upstream the whole time and, and, and it's harder. But when your C-suite comes out or your CEO says, we're going to do this, I need all hands on deck, everybody lands up to support the effort. When you tie it to compensation, uh, guess what? Everybody's focused. <laughs> sure right? does. Laser focused yep. and intentional about the actions they take. So it's getting the entire organization is probably the number one thing. Supply chain can't do it by themselves. They've got to have the, their end user groups involved as part of this process. Now, will your office also not just bring people to the table, but can you also help a company formulate those policies, procedures, mm-hmm. maybe even help them make the internal argument to the C-suite. This we, is do, a good we, thing do, to do. we do that all the time. We've got some best practices that we share uh, that help. Companies come and say, we're, we're new, we're starting. We're going to start down this journey, but we're going to need your help. We may partner them with another major corporation like an AT&T as a buddy because AT&T is big, bad, and audacious. They spend well over $2 billion with diverse suppliers. And so, we can do that as part of our network and part of being a part of our family. So you answered a question that I thought might be unfair, but if there's anything I've learned over the last half an hour, I don't think you have an unfair question. So sounds like AT&T is a great example of somebody who's doing this very well. AT&T is a perfect example of someone. And there's others. They're not alone who's doing it well. As I said, the Coca-Cola company, UPS, Cox, Southern Company, Georgia Power, Delta Airlines, Home Depot. We've got some great partners that are doing some phenomenal things. Accenture, 
does some phenomenal, phenomenal things. You've got SunTrust. You've got Bank of America. Uh, now, I'm sorry, SunTrust, now Truist. I still struggle with yeah, that. that trust now, I know you have to correct yourself and that's, that's appropriate. I have to admit when I hear it, I still feel like I'm biting into aluminum foil. It's, I'm know, struggling truth, with yeah. it. I've got it. SunTrust now, Truist, Wells Fargo. So you've got some great companies here in Georgia that are truly committed and, and, fo- and laser focused. Uh, EY comes to mind. EY is incredible. They do a phenomenal job. They're entrepreneur of the year program that has, it's the best conference I've been in in my career. Oh no, they've got some good stuff. It's 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 well known, but I did not know that there was a supplier diversity supplier element a, to that. It's a entrepreneur se- a segment to it, and they have um, that has not just diverse suppliers, uh, but it has entrepreneurs. Their conference, uh, the EY Entrepreneur of the Year, outstanding. It's the best conference I've been in. It's, it's incredible. Um, can can a I'm going to to go off the script because it's so fascinating to me and I'm, I'm kind of thinking through in real time. How is this, how can I kind of implement some of this? So, you know, my firm is 65 years old. Wow. We're based in Ohio. And to be perfectly candid, we do not have enough diversity in our Mm -hmm. company. I don't think that it's a, I don't think that it's a, uh, a specific thing. In fact, I'm confident it's not, I would Mm -hmm. not be a shareholder if I thought that were the case. Um, but I think that firms like us don't know how mm-hmm. to diversify our supplier base or by extension, you know, our, a lot of our inputs are people, right. right? Getting more people of color, getting more people that are diverse uh, into our industry and then getting them into our firm. Mm-hmm. Is that the kind of thing you help an ENY with? Because they're, they're just a big competitor to us. So I'm, I imagine they just face similar problems on a larger scale. I'm going to tell you, EY has been at this for a very, very long time. Yeah. And they, they've got a very, um, their CEO uh, is all in globally. They're yeah. not doing it just here. This globally for them. Uh, but for a company of your size, that's you, you, you've got history, 65 years. There's an opportunity for you to form some strategic alliance and partnerships because you may have a core competency and skill that other firms don't have that you can bring to the table. And so in working with some uh, another diverse business or businesses, depending on uh, the the key pieces of elements of your business, that that could make sense for you. So it, it not only brings suppliers, it may be it brings uh, opportunity for corporations to grow your business by working with corporate America as well. Um, this is, this is a major strategic decision for a company to do. I think it's, it's hard to imagine a scenario in which this is not a good thing for a company to explore. Cause why, why not take advantage of the opportunity? And it seems to cost you so little to do it, right? It's yeah. just, well, again, you've got to commit resource yep. to doing it. Yep. And so, um, it's been shown the return on investment here. It, it pays for itself tenfold. I mean, yeah. How can people contact you to learn more about this? What's the best way for them to reach out to you? I mean, you're, you're kind of shy, I can tell, but yeah. maybe we can get them to come, get you to come out of your shell and talk to them. <laughs> so you can, you can always go to our website at www.gmsdc.org, or you can call our office. Let me give you a number, 404-589-4929. And, and you, again, you can Google us. You know, www, again, gmsdc.org. Find out all about what we do, how we do it. We've celebrating 45 years of doing just this. This is, this is, uh, I'm telling you, we're creating jobs. 
uh, I think last year the number was about 55,000 jobs in the state hmm. from diverse suppliers. So we're part of this economic engine of this state that's uh, growing this thing. So uh, this train is moving and moving fast. Well, that's a great place to leave it. You want to be on a fast train. You want to be on it and not in front of it. So if you are, give Stacy a call. Give her, give her staff a shout. That's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Stacy Key so much for joining us and sharing her expertise with us today. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Bradyware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.